Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, going to be joined by Eddie Rodasevich of Sooner Scoop and the franchise in Oklahoma City. Got a lot to talk about with uh, Eddie Ratto in a few moments as uh, we'll get his insights on the Sooners looking ahead to this weekend's uh, matchup between OU and KU coming up on Saturday. So I look forward to that. We'll talk about that more with Eddie coming up here in uh, just a few minutes. So don't miss out on that here on the Jones Report today. Thomas Bridges joins me right now. Tom, that, that's the matchup everybody's been waiting for is OU in Kansas. Uh, so much so, it's the primetime game on Big Fox on Saturday night. What a what a matchup! Maybe this is the uh, maybe this is where David Beatty just gets his big middle finger win and walks out with a win against OU. Right? Uh, wouldn't that be great? If Puka Williams, my my dad is fully convinced, and he's an OU fan. He's fully convinced Puka Williams is going to run for two hundred yards on OU. You know, I could see it. Maybe we'll see what OU team decides to show up this week, and we'll see what KU's team decides to show up this week wouldn't that be something jones if if ku somehow knocked off ou and norman and ruined their playoff hopes or even just made it a competitive game like this is the game that ou has thought hey they need to blow somebody out you know they haven't really blown anybody out since that uh ucla game week two um i I know they beat baylor by 33 but really just crushed them but they haven't done it since early on like if if KU takes that away from them, then that's going to be a really crushing blow to OU with uh, trying to get on the trying to get in the playoff with uh, being on the outside looking in at this point. No, oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, they're going to have to blow out Kansas. Um, you know, them not you know being favored by twenty one and a half against OSU, and then being uh, as close of a game as that was. I get that it's bedlam, but at the same time, uh, if it does come down to who you blew out and who you didn't or your, you know, the quality of your actual wins, then that could really hurt. Yeah. OU's a uh, 35-and-a-half-point favorite against the uh, Jayhawks this weekend. And uh, it's interesting, David Beatty and uh, Kyler Murray go a ways back. Uh, David Beatty said that Kyler Murray is as close as family to anyone, any player out there that did not play for him directly. Uh, that's a very interesting dynamic. Kyler Murray said kind of the same thing earlier this week, too. The uh, relationship between these two, that was one I did not expect to hear about going into this weekend. Yeah, that's pretty shocking. I'd kind of like, do you know any more? I haven't heard that, or how do they know each other? It goes back to uh, David Beta used to be the head coach at North Dallas High School, and Kyler Murray's dad played at North Dallas High School, so that's where the connection started. Oh, okay, I see. That's still really interesting. I had no idea. I mean, that's probably one of the, you know, like you said, least likely things to happen or least likely things that I would guess. Right, and uh, Murray was recruited by Beatty at A&M, and then I uh, tried to recruit him to Kansas, obviously, in at A&M. But, yeah, that's uh, – a interesting dynamic. It's a, uh, I mean, it's a must-win game, obviously for OU. Every game is at this point, but it's a uh, must-blowout win game uh, for them as they finish out the year with a game against Kansas, then probably back-to-back matchups against West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia, they need a big win against uh, OSU this weekend, Tom, to uh, set themselves up with a uh, with back-to-back games against OU themselves. I mean, uh, for West Virginia. 
getting by Oklahoma State, and we'll pick it coming up later on in the show. Uh, base, you know, o- OSU has given people fits this year. Should have, you know, some say should have beat OU this past week. Uh, you know, they ended up beating Texas. They've had up and down days. They could give West Virginia a handful come Saturday. Oh, I believe it. And, and Gundy always kind of gives uh, old Dana Holgerson uh, some fits at, uh, almost every year, except I, I remember one year that West Virginia came into Stillwater and beat the doors off of them. I think that's when they had, uh, uh, what's it, White? And, Pat White? Yeah, probably him. And uh, um, maybe oh, no, it, was, it, Kevin, it was. It wasn't Pat White, it was Geno Smith. Geno Smith, and they had uh, Kevin White, I believe. Yes. And maybe, no, they didn't have Tavon Austin at that point. Um, but that was the really the last year I can remember just West Virginia beating the doors off Oklahoma State. Um, and, you know, every year since then, you know, obviously the Mason Rudolph era, um, OSU's kind of had their number, uh, even in Morgantown. And so this one's in Stillwater. Um, we'll see what OSU team really shows up. Uh, you know, that's got to be a draining loss just in the fashion. Um, would like to see a new kicker besides Amendola. I think he needs to see a therapist, or I'm sure he probably already has already. Um, but <laughs> we'll see what type, type of team shows up. But, uh, you know, I think this is an oddly winnable game for OSU and almost a trap game for West Virginia. Yeah, it, it is a uh, t- trap game for sure. Uh, looking at that Big 12 race, uh, you know, OU and West Virginia at the top. Uh, Texas and Iowa State need some help if uh, they want to join that bunch and try to uh, crack the uh, Big 12 championship picture here. Iowa State uh, got a good matchup with uh, UT, one of uh, only a few top 25 matchups in the country this weekend, Tom. And uh, that game is on the – it might be the best game of the day, Iowa State-Texas, and it's on the Longhorn Network, Tom. Of course it is. They would do that. Um that, I think, is going to, like you said, I think it's going to be a hell of a matchup. Uh, Iowa State, <clears throat> or I guess Texas is a three-point favorite. Uh, Iowa State's one of those teams that I could see Matt Campbell uh, out coaching old Herman and uh, getting a win on the road in Austin. I could see it. Yeah, I, I think so. That's uh, one of our pick games as well. We'll get to that more later on, but definitely could see that being the case. Um Here's a question I wonder, uh, Tom, and this is where we could look silly as far as when the podcast is put up. I wonder if by the time this uh, podcast is out, if uh, Les Miles is going to be the next head coach at Kansas by then. I saw on your Twitter today that um, the plane, charter plane left Lawrence or Baton Rouge, and someone you favored in a tweet said, the same decal or same number on the plane is the same one that flew to go talk with Beatty. So I would not doubt if Les Miles is the head coach when this comes out. I wouldn't be surprised. But then it turns out that plane actually didn't go to Baton Rouge. It went west. Um, so I am very confused. Uh, KU is sending oh. out some mixed signals. They're really playing with us media. Yeah, that is odd. Where, did it say where it landed? Uh, I haven't caught the latest update since uh, I'm sure by the time that we finish recording this, I'll know, but I've not. Did, uh, it, did it land in North Texas? Wouldn't that be something? Um, <laughs> if that was the case. But th- these, this plane tracking stuff, uh, Tom, I have, uh, I've lost probably several hours of sleep trying to track these planes. Is that, are you like Detective Jones on the plane case? 
I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure out where they're going here. Um, I, I ran into Jeff Long uh, at the uh, basketball game the other night, and Jeff knows who I am now. And you know, we, we got you know uh, we're building a good relationship. Uh, but Jeff was lip sealed. He he did not have anything to say. Really, what'd you say? Oh, just said you know, ask him you know, hey, how's the coach church going? All that. He's like, oh yeah, just real good. Yep, yep. Not much beyond that. Wow. Yeah, I bet. Wouldn't that be some Tyler Jones gives us a, a woes bomb? Right. Yeah. I mean, like Jeff and I, we'll, we'll get there eventually, uh, but not right now. I, I think if I were to guess from what I've been told, he's got this great relationship with Dennis Dodd. I would say that there's probably a decent chance that Dodd is going to break the story if it's not out by an announcement first. That is true. That. One, one, maybe one day Tyler Jones can break the story. Maybe you can pry it out of him or something. Maybe it, we might find out tonight. We might. So, hey, I, I actually, Tom, you'll be proud of me. I broke three stories this week. What were they? Um, one of them, smaller level, I broke uh, that Free State football's head coach Bob Lisher was retiring from uh, Lawrence Free State High School. Uh, I got the uh, exclusive on that. The other was uh, I had the scoop on uh, Patrick Mahomes, and uh, we'll talk about the Chiefs here in just a second. His, uh, his girlfriend's stepdad being in the ER, um, first on that one. Uh, did he pass away? He did. He passed away. He what? died instantly at the stadium. At the stadium? Yes. Wow, that's crazy. I didn't, I didn't know, I guess, didn't know he passed. Yeah, he died right that's on terrible. the spot. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, that was that was unfortunate. Uh, how about this? This is, this is something crazy to think about, Tom. Isn't it wild that every time Mahomes goes to work, he's going to be in the place that his girlfriend's stepdad died? Yeah, that is kind of sad because you know she probably won't want to be there. I wouldn't, at least for the rest of the season. Right? That would be tough. That would be. I couldn't even imagine that. Think about that. Maybe... I don't know. That sounds terrible. I'm going to say it anyway. At least I'm glad that the Rams-Chiefs game isn't an arrowhead and he's not out playing for the girlfriend's dad in front of all the Chief fans because that would probably not be so hot for the Rams. No, probably wouldn't be so well. They, be like a be like a Packers performance when Brett Favre's dad died and then he just blew up the Raiders. Right. Yeah, that would be something. Yeah, it was a rough night for the Raiders then. Um, but, yeah, this weekend's game, you mentioned that. The uh, Chiefs and uh, Rams not going to be played in uh, Mexico City. They're uh, going to move this one out to uh, to L.A. It was a Rams home game to begin with. Um, I have a better idea, Tom. Why don't they just play this game at the Edward Jones Dome? Oh, would that not be something? I don't think, to be honest, so many St. Louis fans are still so salty. That I highly doubt anybody would show up. But it would be a Kansas City home game then. Right. <laughs> Hell, it still might be. Uh, there's, you know, when Green Bay came to L.A., there were a, a loud, very, very audible defense chance when the Rams were on offense. And I thought, well, where are we playing, Lambeau or Los Angeles? <laughs> I thought, what is this? And even the announcers mentioned again and again and kind of panned to the crowd just to show how many Packers fans now Packers fans are kind of all over, especially in a city like L.A. where there's not been a team for 25 years. Um, 
And I'm sure it might not be any different with the with the Chiefs. Don't they call L.A. Uh, Arrowhead West? Uh, yes, they do. Yes, they do. See, there you go. I could see it. I could see it. It might be. It might end up turning out. Now, the Rams went to Colorado to train this week. Did the Chiefs? The Chiefs stayed in KC. They felt like the elevation thing was just a myth, that it, there wasn't really any science behind it. Oh, I don't know that. Uh, Azteca is higher than Denver. Yeah. And, and I didn't know that, and I thought, wow, okay, well, <laughs> I mean. Chiefs have played pretty good in Denver as of late, too. So, yeah, I guess that's true. They're kind of, they go there twice a year anyway. Um, so, I guess that's not too terrible. I think the, I guess the Rams have already been there once. Um, but yeah, something else that, I mean, as far as Azteca goes, we can talk, you know, about that, about the field. There were players saying that, uh, they weren't going to play, uh, if it, if the game remained there and obviously if the field conditions, uh, were the way they were, uh, just because of the injuries and I don't blame them. So I don't think the NFL really had any choice, uh, arguably no, really the biggest game so far this year after the Patriots um, Chiefs. Chiefs game. Yeah, and then I guess you could say maybe the Rams-Saints, but even then this game feels uh, 100 times bigger. And it's a Monday night football, and we've kind of been looking forward to it uh, for quite some time. Yeah, we have. We, we certainly have. Here's, here's my question, and I've still yet to get an answer on this. Maybe I'm an idiot and I should know the answer to this, but I'm going to put this out there anyway. With the field service at Azteca, why couldn't they just bring in like a turf field? Look at what the Arizona Cardinals do every single week. They take that field out and put it back in every single week. What What's the deal here? Like, why couldn't they just replace the field that's there and go bring in another field? It doesn't seem like it's that hard. Am, am, I, am I dumb here? Am I missing something, Tom? I, I can't figure this out. Why is it this field thing have to be so hard to deal with? You would think so. I mean, I don't know why they just can't you know, kind of trim up the grass or kind of make it a flat surface and literally put new turf down and be super, you know, wouldn't they have a whole week pretty much um, to do it. And I know I've seen it done in like a day uh, laying the field down and not to mention what it would do for Mexico city's economy. I know it's already a big bustling city and the city's huge already, but uh, this is bringing in lots of people who've already booked their flight, booked their hotel, all of that. Um, it's bringing in the NFL to another country. Um, I'm sure there's probably Rams fans that in Mexico City just because of kind of the proximity. Um, hell, I'm sure there's probably Chief fans. There's It's probably just kind of like, you know, anywhere else that doesn't have an NFL team. But um, I don't know why they couldn't do it. Uh, I mean... I don't know if they were going to – I know that they tried to lay sod down, like screw a grass field, just go ahead and lay turf and call it done and just show the NFL that you're really trying to have this game. Right. Um, if, you know, if you could get that done, maybe – you know, I think this kind of puts a damper. They were obviously talking about maybe we should put a team in Mexico City, maybe we should put a team in London. Uh, I think this is kind of, is kind of a damper on – any chance that Mexico City gets a team? I know that would probably be a long shot anyway, but that kind of just showed that, hey, we're not really trying to take the initiative to actually have this game uh, and 
I don't know, maybe the players had already said we're not going to play, and the NFL just said, well, we can't be having that because of the ratings. But uh, it's definitely an odd situation. They should have had this remedied before. I think there was a – I read that there was a concert like seven days ago, and that's what tore it up really bad. But good Lord, you think, you know, they planned this out a couple years ahead. you think they'd have it figured out, but I guess not. Yeah, yeah that, that playing service looked horrible. Uh, was definitely not in playing condition. Uh, KNBC, the ABC station in KC, was already there in Mexico City. And now all these people, Tom, uh, are hoping that they can get their flights refunded or their hotels or maybe redirected to L.A., whatever. I mean, this is a huge mess to deal with. I mean, the NFL should never go back to Mexico City after this. Uh, they do not deserve... Uh, a single game after, you know, screwing this whole thing up. Because not only did they screw things up for these teams and everything in this game, but all these fans that just got ripped off. Um, you know, there there are folks, even if we hear stories, if, if airlines are giving refunds or all this, it's not going to work out this way for everybody. It's not going to be smooth for everybody. There will come problems from making this change. Oh, of course there will be. I mean, people have already taken time off work. Uh, you know, if we would have had, if we would have decided to go, and we almost did, we were thinking about it. I would have literally bought a pass for for nothing. Uh, I mean, I guess Oklahoma laws now you kind of have to have uh, the updated ordeal. I'm not exactly sure on all those, uh, you know, policies or what have you, but. Uh, would have had to get a passport, wait for it, get it in, go fill it out, do all that paperwork, spend money on that. I guarantee you there's, there's people who didn't have a passport that got one. Uh, there at least one, uh, because I can tell you right now, I would have been in the same spot. Uh, airline tickets are not cheap. Uh, we're decently close, um, closer to the border of Mexico, but I, I guarantee there were people pl- flying from Washington State maybe even New York, uh, not to mention all the media members that, like you said, were already there. I guarantee there's people from ESPN uh, wasted money on this. Just anybody from New York City, from literally anywhere in the U.S., tickets are not going to be cheap to fly to Mexico City. It's just how it is. Uh, And not every single one of those people is going to get a refund. Uh, It's just a huge inconvenience that literally Azteca, whoever's in charge of that, could have easily prevented this is just kind of poor management on their part just knowing that hey we literally have a huge deal coming to our city it's like a minute maybe like a mini super bowl i you know i get their big football fans there not necessarily american football but uh just kind of didn't feel like maybe more will come out on this maybe i'm completely wrong maybe we'll figure out a real reason or an actual excuse for this uh, but it feels like they just kind of didn't give it priority or that they just thought, you know, a field would work. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, that, that appears to be the case at this point, that they uh, thought that they could just easily get away with uh, with dealing with this type of field. Uh, but they're going to get this t- game taken away, and rightfully so. Uh, you, you think about the talent that we're going to see on the field come Monday night. Uh, between Jared Goff and Patrick Mahomes, Todd Gurley, Kareem Hunt, uh, Tyreek Hill, just to name a few. Could you imagine if any of those guys would have gotten hurt because of the playing surface? Uh, That would have been just an awful thing. Uh, Player safety has to be 
a concern, and I'm glad that they're taking this this step in the right direction to uh, do this and make the move to uh, move this game to L.A. Uh, what's real funny is L.A. just a couple weeks ago did this awful paint job in their field um, where you were still able to see USC's lettering and numbers oh, and all that stuff. Oh, that's been like that all season. Yeah. You still so, see like the Pac-12. I mean, it's just kind of kind of what you got to deal with, I guess. Yeah, so you it's know, not like that you can – it's not like that they're going to that great of a place either by any means in the Coliseum, but it's certainly better than uh, what Mexico City has to offer in that regard. But this matchup, the players that we're going to see on the field come Monday night between these two teams, this is a an amazing talent uh, that we're going to see on both sides uh, for both these teams. A lot of points are going to be scored. Tom, the largest over-under – in NFL history is uh, this game. The Rams are a two-point favorite. There's going to be some fireworks on uh, Monday night, and uh, Richard Dysich of uh, The Athletic has said this is the biggest Monday night football game that ESPN has ever had since they took over the package in 2006. When you consider uh, that you know this is possibly a Super Bowl preview, both teams are 9-1, playing some really good football right now. Uh, this is a huge deal, this game is, in we're expecting, uh, you know, this one to feel like a, a playoff game, and uh, it should be. It should be. These teams have not disappointed uh, so far this year to, to make us think otherwise. Oh, of course not. I mean, this is going to be – it's going to be huge. I mean, I'm, it's and, – and I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, but I'm going to say it anyway – uh, one of the biggest games, and I guess the guy already said, you know, the biggest Monday Night Football showdown since they've gotten the package. Uh, but, you know, this one has the making of one of the games we talk about for a while. Um, it has one of those, hey, do you remember that back in uh, 2018? Do you remember Chiefs-Rams? And, you know, we can go about and talk about maybe, let's say the Chiefs beat the Rams or vice versa, and then they meet in the Super Bowl, and then the team that lost that matchup ends up winning. Um, or any any storyline like that could, could possibly occur. Uh, I think both sides are going to get up to play. Um, I think the Chiefs are young enough offensively to be super excited for this game, and I think Sean McVay will have the Rams super excited to play this game as well. Uh, you have the other alternate storyline of, uh, you know, the wildfires in California, how many people that's displaced, how many people it's killed, how many people lost their homes. Um, the Rams are talking about, you know, giving all the money from ticket sales to those families, uh, to the community. Um, it just it really has the making uh, of a hell of a game. When I break down this matchup, Tom, I think that the Chiefs have an edge offensively with uh, the, with their weapons, with, with Hunt, Hill, Mahomes, and uh, Kelsey and those guys, that they have an edge offensively. The Rams are going to be without Cooper Cup. He's out for the season with that torn ACL. They still have some good offensive talent. I'd give the Rams the edge, though, defensively. That is one of, if not the best defense in the National Football League. And although the Chiefs' defense is improved, they're still giving up a ton of yards and they're giving up a lot of points to very good teams. It's when they play average to below average teams that the point totals are down. So bringing up that matchup, I would give the edge to the Chiefs offense, but uh, definitely got to give the edge to the Rams defense uh, over KC uh, come Monday night. 
Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see kind of how that plays out. The Rams' defense hasn't been very good as of late, uh, but Todd Gurley is still Todd Gurley, and, and we know that the Chiefs' defense isn't, you know, the hottest. Uh, Aaron Donald's coming off, though, a two-and-a-half sack game against the Seahawks. Um, that real, that Really, that defensive line has been pretty, uh, pretty good against the pass all season, um, but I would expect – Cream Hunt to uh, easily break 100 yards. Uh, I don't think that is any question. If they decide to run the ball, uh, I'm not sure. You know, another storyline I guess to watch would be Marcus Peters maybe matched up on Tyreek Hill or, uh, you know, kind of how that'll play out just because that's his old team. Um, that'll be really interesting to watch. But it's going to be one of those games, Jones, that it's going to be back and forth. It's going to be, I think, uh, a lot like the Patriots-Chiefs game. It's, I think it's going to be identical. Oh, I, I think it will be very similar between that uh, that first matchup the uh, Chiefs had with the Patriots early this year. It certainly seems to be that way, that that's a possibility at this point. You mentioned the Marcus Peters factor, and you know people have mentioned this game for a long time, the Marcus Peters revenge game of sorts after uh, getting traded, you know, dealt with for a fourth-round pick. And looking at this Chiefs defense, I think they're a lot better without Marcus Peters than people thought they would be. There was this expectation there would be this huge drop-off, but with Marcus Peters, you get the good and you get the bad. Yes, he makes plays. Yes, he picks off a lot of passes, but it's it's a bend and don't break thing. He gives up a lot of big plays, too. He got eaten for lunch against the Saints in in that matchup there, so... Uh, I think this is a huge game for Marcus Peters, but I don't think the Chiefs missed him as much as people thought they were expected to. Kendall Fuller uh, has done a really good job. That secondary has uh, held up just fine. And Eric Berry's still not back yet. Uh, that secondary is uh, it's just fine for KC. It's not great, uh, but it definitely will get better once they get uh, Eric Berry back uh, on that squad. Oh, for sure. And, and, as far as Marcus Peters goes, you already know I'm a Rams fan, so I've been somewhat disappointed. Um, I'm hoping that you know him playing against the Chiefs will give him the kick of the pants that he needs. Uh, he didn't do so bad against the uh, against the Seahawks, but I will agree he got his lunch money taken from Michael Thomas in that game against the Saints, uh, and I, I think he got talked to kind of like they said, "Hey, listen up, what's the deal? Are you still injured?" Uh, you know, how can we remedy this situation? I don't think the Rams are getting to keep to lead back. I think early on when he first got injured, they were thinking, hey, he might be ready for the Chiefs. Uh, but I think, you know, both teams have a bye week after this week, and I think that a keep to lead will be back after that. And then I think for the Chiefs, maybe Eric Berry uh, will be back for the Chiefs after their bye week. Or yeah, he's not going to It's highly unlikely he'll play against the Rams this week. We keep hearing that he's day-to-day but uh, still have not seen a return of uh, Eric Berry at this point. Uh, the quarterbacks in this one, Mahomes and Goff. Uh, Mahomes is uh, on pace to be maybe the MVP or at least the uh, number two guy for the MVP. He's running toe-to-toe with Drew Brees. Jared Goff had a, having a really good year as well. Tom, these guys throw in Baker Mayfield and Carson Wentz and uh, maybe a couple others are the future of the National Football League that – Goff, uh, L.A. is going to be his town, and Mahomes is going to own not only KC but the entire Midwest uh, as the uh, face of that area here. I mean, this is uh, going to be 
uh, a fun matchup of, of two very good quarterbacks on Sunday, but it's also a sign of what the league is going to look like, what they're going to be led like at that quarterback position, because these are two of the best. Oh, hands down. And uh, two of the top young quarterbacks, if not the top two younger tier of quarterbacks coming in. Uh, and kind of different story, or kind of similar stories, you know, Mahomes wasn't necessarily thrown in the fire the way Jared Goff was. He was called a bust early on, Jared Goff was. Uh, came back, obviously, after the Fisher firing. McVay did what he had to do and, and really has had two really solid years well, last year and including this year. And Mahomes, uh, nobody, I think, expected this type of performance out of him. Uh, you know, I don't think he was ever called a bust or maybe, you know, they thought he would be a gunslinger, and he has been, but I think uh, a lot of people, including myself, thought he would throw a lot more interceptions uh, and and maybe be a more like a quarterback, like a live and die um, by Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and so far, the Chiefs have lived every single game, uh, including, I mean, I would even call it a uh, die by Mahomes against the Patriots. Uh, so... It's kind of really interesting how they've both been able to just kind of overcome. Uh, for Goff, obviously, people called him a bust. For Mahomes, people didn't, or, you know, didn't really expect this out of him, uh, and they've kind of proved everybody wrong. And now they're on the the biggest stage, uh, so called. What you know, what ESPN said, the biggest stage they've ever had uh, on Monday Night Football. So it it's just a damn shame that we're going to get Jason Witten in the booth for this. Yeah, I was. You know, I'll, I'll say this uh, about that playing surface. Wouldn't it have been funny if the booger mobile would have gotten stuck in the Azteca turf? Oh God, that would be something. To, that would be that would be legendary. I want to ride the booger mobile though. That would be an experience. Would you rather? Okay, would you rather ride the booger mobile or would you rather take a lap around with Jeff Gordon around Kansas Speedway? Oh, I'd take the lap around with Jeff Gordon. <laughs> I know you would rather ride in the Boogermobile, but that's just you. Yeah, you're probably right about that. Eddie Radosovic set to join us coming up here in just a couple minutes. Uh, I got a stat for you, by the way, Tom. Uh, what could be the difference in that KUOU game? You ready for this, Tom? Uh, KU this season has 62 points off of turnovers. OU has just 31. Watch out. Watch out, Kyler Murray. Yeah, I mean, KU, that, that, that's where they got Kyler Murray. You know, get those points off turnovers. Yeah, that's going to be the difference right there. All right. Uh, Eddie Rodosovich, Sooner Scoop franchise in Oklahoma City, said to join us. Uh, coming up next, we'll talk KU and OU, and uh, we'll also get his thoughts on this uh, this KU coaching search and more. All that with Eddie Rodosovich on the other side. You're listening to the Jones Report. At this time, ladies and gentlemen, we're pleased to welcome into the program from Sooner Scoop, also with the franchise in Oklahoma City. It is uh, Eddie Radosovich who's back with us once again. Eddie, what's happening, man? Uh, been a while. Always good chat. What's happening? Tyler, what's going on? I am. Uh, I'm doing well. Just another day in uh, in uh, in Norman, America. So it's uh, not too bad. It's been chilly down here. I, I saw that it was uh, pretty damn cold up in uh, Lawrence on Saturday. Uh, yeah, we, we had uh, about two days of snow the last within the last five, so it's uh, it's been a little Ugh. bit cold. Gosh, brutal. It um, is the, the time of the year, though. 
Oh, yes. Yes, certainly. Uh, but it's going to be nice on Saturday for that big primetime game that everybody's been waiting for all season long uh, between these two teams. Yeah, everybody. Uh, it's the talk of the town, basically. Yeah. Uh, OU Kansas. I actually was uh, looking back at some of our footage from uh, the last few seasons, and the OU Kansas game has actually delivered on uh, on some pretty compelling storylines. When you go back and you look at Samaj P. Ryan's record-setting day down in Norman, and then obviously all of the uh, – the antics that happened uh, prior and during uh, the game last year at Lawrence. So uh, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of sneakily excited for it on Saturday. I, I said at the time last year the uh, 41-3 game was the most exciting 41-3 game I've ever seen uh, with all if, that went on, the antics that, that went with it. If, if you wouldn't have said that it was 41-3, there's no way that I would have been able to tell you that. A, it seemed a lot closer, and then, yeah, as you said, B, like it, it was a side. It was a side story to the actual story. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, Eddie, uh, I, I have a suggestion. I was thinking, uh, you know, I, I'm all in supporting uh, your uh, your your horns up for peace campaign. Uh, I'm all in on that. But uh, you know, wh- what if we uh, adapted it a little bit and said, uh, you know, at you know, added in Tom Herman's "Okay, cool, hook 'em" with uh, like "Okay, cool, horns up for peace." I uh, I think that you're onto something. You know, I I am uh, I stand in solidarity with uh, Sam Elinger and uh, really Elinger as well as uh, Tom Herman and this whole saga. What a what a what a side story that's been over the last couple of weeks. Uh, just as far as everything that's come out, and then you know recently this week with uh, with Zach Smith. So yeah, I'm I'm completely down. I, I think that uh, we need to uh, get a hold of whoever in Austin and. Uh, Get the wheels moving on this. I did see that they uh, they're they're selling T-shirts. And I thought it was pretty cool that uh, they're selling T-shirts with the OK Cool hook them. But uh, I think like half the proceeds or all the proceeds might be going to uh, a uh, a women's house for uh, for women that have uh, gone through abuse abusive relationships. So I thought that was pretty cool that they're making a a good deal out of uh, a, a a complete lunatic in uh, Zach Smith. Yes, that is good. Uh, and then maybe. We can come up with something with the okay, cool horns up for peace uh, of you know half of it going to Eddie to fund whatever he's doing in his project to you know, take over the world, and then the other half some sorts. Like I think we might be onto something, Eddie. Hey, I won't. Uh, I won't be complaining if that were to be the case. Oh, <laughs> uh, and, and I was also thinking, Eddie. The last time I talked, you said you were making me my agent. So as your agent, uh, I was thinking this weekend uh, with. Jeff Long coming to Norman and everything. Should we go ahead and set up an interview uh, with you in, in case you're interested in that Kansas job of some sorts? Would that be necessary? You know, I have too much respect for Bill Self to uh, to get two Oklahoma boys up there in Lawrence, so I'm going to have to uh, politely decline. I uh, wish Jeff Long nothing but the best in his search for, uh, for the next uh, Kansas head football coach. You know, I, I kind of have a bone to pick with him and uh, David Beatty because I was really kind of hoping that they were going to, uh, you know, when they terminated David Beatty, I was kind of hoping that they were going to just promote Garrett Riley to uh, either the interim tag or the head coach, and we could have the Riley Bowl every year. Right, or at least one time, you know, this week. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've been kind of robbed of it, but uh, I understand that uh, David Beatty wasn't going to quit on his team. So I, uh, it's a tough situation. It will be interesting to see which way uh, – which way Jeff Long goes with it. Eddie, I don't even know what Garrett Riley sounds like because we don't have access to assistant coaches up here. And <laughs> for as long as Garrett has been here, that rule's been in place. 
that's uh, that's all too familiar on our side. We get the assistance a couple times uh, at the beginning of the season, and then if you're really wanting a feature or something, uh, I think that you can snag them here and there. But uh, we haven't talked to Bob Diaco this year, so uh, kind of feel your pain. Oh, Bob Diaco, the, the the pretty boy. I know that hurts you. You, you do want to talk to yeah, him. Yeah, I know. It, it, it sucks. I just want to have a conversation with him. He's some pasta. Right? <laughs> just pasta, yeah. The, the Italian. I'm sure he knows a thing or two about some good pasta. Uh, the, 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 rumor, the rumor around town is he makes a uh, incredible fici- uh, fettuccine Alfredo. So, uh, fingers crossed, and we'll have some dining with Diaco as a... Uh, as a new Soonerscoop.com feature maybe over the summer. Oh, that would be fantastic. I'm all in on that. Do you feel like that you got Baker Mayfield prepared in his press conferences? Uh, I was so happy to see that he said that he felt like he you know, just woke up with more energy. You know, like I, I felt like that looseness came from how much you got him ready all those years with the, the, the heart-hitting journalism yeah. you asked him. That was uh, that. That was some shades of Ricky Bobby saying he wakes up. Uh, this is excellent, wasn't it? It was. That was uh, that was pretty. That was pretty funny. I'm gonna. Yeah, I'll have to take. I guess not entire credit, but I'll take a little credit because I don't get to do that very often. So yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go ahead and say that uh, that I helped prepare him for uh, for that situation, and uh, you know, hopefully it hopefully it continues. We need to figure out a time. It, I think that there's a chance that he might be back in Norman over the weekend uh, with the Browns in a uh, bye week, I think. So I, I know that there were some people talking about that yesterday. Uh, but if, if if there's a chance that he's down there, we'll have to uh, maybe cook something up with him uh, while he's back in town. Yeah, well, it's, it's the least you could do for uh, Brooke Pryor's husband. <laughs> exactly, exactly, right? Yes, yes. Uh, I'm sure she appreciates that. Sorry, uh, sorry, sorry, Teddy. <laughs> sorry, yes, indeed. That's uh, that, that's great stuff. Eddie, uh, this uh, it's Kyler Murray. Uh, he's not too bad. No, and he will been, start this uh, week. We could confirm that with Dean and everybody. Yeah, I, I think so. I uh, I 100 percent think that uh, Kyler Kyler Murray will start. He started last week and after a really good week of practice. Uh, I felt comfortable enough to put that out on Saturday morning. But, uh, you know, Tyler, I think that he's exceeded everybody's expectations, obviously. Uh, you know, I, I people knew that he was going to be good. You knew that uh, you know, he had impressed some people during, uh, you know, obviously during the spring and then uh, during the year that he sat out running some of the scout team stuff. But I don't think that anybody was prepared to basically fill the shoes of Baker Mayfield and then some. Uh, you know, I, I think any time you start talking about those two, especially because they've been back-to-back, uh, you kind of have to paraphrase it and say that I, I do think that Kyler Murray could be a better football player than Baker. It was just everything that Baker brought with him that, uh, you know, as far as the intangibles and basically the willingness to probably rip somebody's throat out to win a football game, that's more of Baker Mayfield style. Not to say that Kyler Murray's not the competitor, uh, because he certainly is, they just do it in two, in, in two different ways that almost makes them that much more similar, if that makes sense. It's been it's been uh, it's been incredible uh, to, to watch over the last, I guess, three or four months. And you know, I it, it, I, ha- I haven't remembered a time that I guess it's a little blasphemous to say this after the Baker Mayfield era, but there were points of games where you just don't feel like Kyler was going to let them lose, and obviously. Uh, you know, they, they go down the Cotton Bowl and lose, and it takes an incredible fourth-quarter comeback. 
uh, mostly done by the legs and arm of Kyler Murray. And uh, he's kind of willed them uh, the last couple weeks, uh, especially in Lubbock. He played extremely well after the two early interceptions. And then, obviously, uh, last weekend in Bedlam, uh, it, it, every time they needed a big play, uh, Kyler Murray delivered. And uh, he's, he's he, from a purely athletic standpoint, I can't remember a guy uh, that has played at Oklahoma. And, you know, I, obviously that list is long of guys that are just that dynamic and being able to make plays that can win you a football game. And uh, it'll be interesting. It's too bad that uh, Tua's having the season that he is. I know that, you know, that argument is out there as far as Heisman. I think that it's probably going to be Tua's to lose, obviously. But uh, Kyler Murray certainly put himself in uh, in position and will be in New York City here in a couple weeks. Yeah, it's uh, it's been fun to see what he's been able to do. And you mentioned the, uh, the kind of personalities, how different he is compared to Baker. Other than his jab at uh, Stillwater, not liking the town, he, he hasn't you know been much of a talker at all compared to Baker Mayfield. He's been more of a, a leader by example of some sorts. That was you know total opposite than Baker as far as that goes. Uh, how those guys re- responded to that? It seemed like Baker was carrying a lot of that team and taking a lot of the pressure on himself. How's that been with uh, Kyler Murray as far as uh, just being a you know a leader goes with this one? Yeah, you know it's funny. They, they do it in such a different way. I think that they lead in the same manner, I guess, but it's just from an action standpoint, it's such a different way. And I, I remember talking to uh, Grant Calcaterra after the game down in Lubbock uh, two weeks ago. When you're, you're OC, by the way. And, yeah, my, my, uh, my future Cleveland Browns OC. Uh, That's why you can't take the him. Kansas job. Exactly, exactly. I, I, got, uh, I got bigger sights than not to uh, – not a diss on the uh, Kansas football program, but we uh, were already in apartment talks with uh, Baker and his uh, lovely fiance uh, Emily. So uh, I think uh, Calgatera and I are looking at bunk beds, but that's neither here nor there. Oh, perfect. Uh, I, I remember talking to him though, just as far as you know, what was Kyler's demeanor on the sidelines, and he just said that there's this this presence and kind of an aura that surrounds Kyler, and I don't, I, I think it probably. Uh, you know, when you know the story of what he did at Allen High School and how this is a Texas high school, you know, I, I think legend's probably one way to put it. Uh, you just he, he, He's a winner in the sense that Baker Mayfield was as well. Baker just did it more demonstratively. And I think that, uh, you know, it, it's something that feeds off of his teammates. And he kind of, even if it is just maybe a look uh, that he gives the guys or uh, the way that he kind of uh, – presents himself uh, with his body language, it kind of rubs off on people. And I think that, you know, it certainly has uh, has helped. And, you know, it, it certainly helps when uh, you have an offensive line like he has by, in front of him. Yeah, it's uh, it's worked out pretty well for him to this point. Uh, that running game, they lost Rodney Anderson early on the season, but those young backs, Trey Sermon and company, have really stepped up and uh, done a, a great job. It seems like, Eddie, uh, from a distance anyway, that running back, that, that, that running core has not missed a beat since Anderson went down. Yeah, it, it's, it's kind of incredible just in the fact that, you know, when Rodney Anderson went down, you really didn't know what direction they were going to go. Trey Sermon hadn't looked like a guy that was going to be able to carry, 30, carry the ball 30 times a game. And, you know, you certainly, I think you kind of, you, you had seen flashes from Kennedy Brooks, but uh, really, as for the most part, you didn't have a whole lot of uh, data to go off of. And, uh, you know, obviously it starts up front with the offensive line that Bill Beatenbow has built uh, in front of him. But 
they've been they've been good. They've been uh, probably better than expected after Rodney Anderson got hurt. And, uh, I think that they complement each other really well. Uh, you know, I think that that certainly helps Trey, and they've kind of traded off. Uh, it was Trey Sermon in, in, in Lubbock that got the job done, and then last week it was uh, Kennedy Brooks going off for 100. I think it was like 168 yards and winning newcomer of the week in the conference. So, uh, you know, <laughs> Kennedy Brooks joked last night after the game that, I mean, uh, after practice that, uh, you know, some of the holes you could drive a truck through. And while that's true, uh, he still has broken some tackles and, and does a lot of the, uh, the, uh, the heavy lifting on his own as well. So uh, they've been really good. Uh, it will be interesting, you know, uh, they were they were basically down to two running backs last week with T.J. Pledger out. He's questionable going into Saturday's game in Norman. And, uh, you know, they, those basically are the only three guys that they have on scholarship back there. Uh, you know, Rodney Anderson obviously is out. He'll be back in town this weekend for senior day and then uh, or, or to go through senior day uh, ceremonies. And then uh, they had to uh, they had to sideline Marcellia Sutton after he broke his leg the week of the Tech game. Uh, during practice, during a freak accident, at, uh, or not, a, I, I guess it's a freak accident. It, was, it happened during practice. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of, they've, they've had some injuries there, but uh, luckily, uh, you know, they've kind of relied on the uh, the depth in the running back room to, uh, to pull through. And uh, Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon have certainly done that. And, you know, moving forward, it's, it's going to be interesting. They, uh, they obviously have uh, the Marcus Major kid out of Oklahoma City committed for the 2019 class. Uh, they have two kids who already committed, uh, Jason McClellan and uh, Jalen Knighton out of Florida in the 2020 class. So uh, it's a it's a good situation to be in, uh, you know, particularly out of school like Oklahoma. Uh, they have more than uh, 20 able enough bodies in the running back room for Jay Bulware and uh, Lincoln Bradley. Andy Radosovich joining us here on the uh, Jones Report from uh, Sooner Scoop and also with the franchise in uh, Oklahoma City uh, right now. Uh, let's talk uh, defense. Oh, boy. Um, uh, the last two weeks, you know, since I feel the like we need, I feel like I need to light a candle before we start this first portion of the segment. Yeah, we, we might need to, uh, <laughs> light a few candles, uh, per se. Yeah. Uh, since they made the change over to Ruffin McNeil as defensive coordinator, they've given up more points in the last two weeks than any game they had before Ruffin McNeil took over. Uh, what's going on with that defense right now? Where's the status? Has there been any improvement at all since the changeover from Mike Stoops? You know, as crazy as it may sound, there has been improvement. Uh, I think that, you know, obviously the last two weeks are a product of playing two of the better offenses in the country. Uh, with that said, uh, it hasn't been good. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that there's a, uh, a complete overhaul that needs to happen. Uh, I thought that he had bottomed out uh, at the OU Texas game at the Cotton Bowl, and uh, it, it's proceedingly got worse. Uh, you know, I think that they got a false sense of hope. Uh, or maybe the fans got a false sense of hope that things had changed in uh, playing Kansas State. You obviously those aren't uh, two of the uh, those two offenses are uh, JV at best. Uh, I think and that's probably putting it lightly. So you know I, I think that they they need a complete overhaul. Uh, you know I, I think the one reoccurring theme right now, and particularly in the Oklahoma secondary, is the fact that. There's a simple fact. The longer that you stay in the uh, in the program in Oklahoma as a defensive back, it seems like it's the worst that you get. Uh, there is no improvement, and uh, you know whether that be Kerry Cooks finding a new uh, you know a, a new way after the end of the year, which I think that there might be a chance of that happening, especially uh, when you make a defensive coordinator hire, whichever direction that they decide to go with that. 
he's going to probably want some of his own staff members, and uh, it just hasn't been good. Uh, you know, I, I think that it kind of is what it is. Uh, I think the people that thought that firing Mike Stoops was going to alleviate all the problems that they have uh, on the defensive side of the ball certainly uh, shouldn't have been in for a surprise when it, when it wasn't uh, the, the key to everything. So, uh, you know, it, it, they do one thing well, and then they take a step back in one, in, in one area. Uh, so it's, it, it's kind of been one thing or another for them. And, uh, you know, frankly, they've been exposed over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I, you know, Tyler, I, I really didn't think that they just played awful in Lubbock. Uh, you give them two bad uh, positions to start in the game. You know, you start inside the three-yard line after one Murray interception and then inside the red zone after another. I can live with that. Uh, I think last weekend, though, uh, last weekend at times might have been worse than what you saw down at the Cotton Bowl. And that's saying something. So it will, uh, it'll be interesting. There's, they're definitely at a time period right now where I think that, uh, you know, obviously the fans have had enough. Uh, <laughs> the media has, has kind of had enough about talking about it. And they've almost been a product of their own success just as far as, I think the, the, the quote of, you know, but we won has become a little toxic in that they've won so many times with getting away with a bad offense because of a historic, or I mean with a bad defense because of a historic offense, that it's almost become commonplace. And I think that, you know, as much as Lincoln Riley, as much as the fans want Lincoln Riley to come out and blast his defense in the, in the public eye, it's just not going to happen. And, uh, you know, Lincoln Riley's not stupid in the fact that he knows that they need to make some uh, some clear changes. They need to make some uh, some clear steps forward uh, defensively. And uh, you know, I think it's going to kind of just have to be a situation that uh, they're going to they're going to have to do something at the end of the year. Nothing's going to change overnight. So uh, it will be interesting to see which way they go. But right now, it's uh, you know, obviously for a school like Oklahoma, it hasn't been good. Hell, uh, for a school anywhere. Uh, that's that's in the bottom tier of defensive ranks, it wouldn't be acceptable. So, uh, you know, do they have the talent down there? I think that they do. I I still don't believe that they don't have guys down there that can cover. But at the same time, uh, there's nothing that they've put on tape over the last two or three years that tells me otherwise that they can. So uh, they they have some of the the worst ball skills in uh, in the entire country. And as you know, uh, in a conference like the Big 12, you damn sure better have ball skills if you're going to be a secondary player. And uh, it just hasn't come to fruition yet. So it's, uh, it's, it's not a good situation. As good as Oklahoma is offensively, they're that bad defensively. Yeah, I mean, it's, it reminds me of up here seeing the Chiefs. The Chiefs put up all these points, but that defense is, is piss poor. It's one of the worst defenses in the league. I mean, they're, they're last in the NFL and yet still won you know, nine games this year. So... Uh, you know, it, similar it, situation. It's funny that it's just funny that you know Oklahoma is basically telling their defense, whole teams under thirty-eight points a game, and we can live with that. I think, <laughs> and that is they're, they're they're damn near giving up thirty-eight and half. So it's uh, it's it's been a struggle. Uh, I think that everybody is frustrated by the situation, uh, and you know at the same time. These kids aren't stupid. They know they know that they're not playing well. Uh, so you know, Tyler Murray kind of talked about it on Monday. As far as there's no reason to pile on. They know that this situation needs to be fixed, and uh, we'll see. They got a couple. They they have about two weeks to figure it out 
or uh, they will get run out of, uh, uh, what is it, Milan Plusker Stadium up in uh, Morgantown? Yes, Milan Plusker. Yes, that is. Uh, Milan Plusker. Got to be the most unique name in the league. Yes. Uh, that is interesting. Uh, this, in regards to this game against KU, we mentioned how we, there's been these games have been kind of interesting the last couple of years. KU brings in this might shock some people one of the top four defenses in the conference, uh, but can't score anything, so it doesn't really mean much. Uh, we saw that in the K State game last weekend. Uh, I mean that uh, you know if KU could slow down OU for a couple possessions, that might make things interesting for a few minutes for a couple possessions, but beyond that, that Oklahoma team is going to be too much. They'll have their way with KU uh, pretty easily. It might be, we might be talking about this team pulling away in the second half, but they, they, they'll have no issues come with this Kansas team come this weekend. Yeah, and, you know, unfortunately for Kansas, uh, you know, I, I certainly don't think that they're in a situation where they're going to try and run up any scores, but uh, as poorly as they've played over the last couple of weeks, uh, score does kind of matter. Uh, just as far as, you know, making ways with the committee. Certainly beating Kansas isn't going to do that in one night. Uh, but they're, uh, they're in need of some good, some good win. Uh, a good-look win, I guess, would be the best way to put it. So uh, it'll be interesting, uh, you know, with senior day, uh, you know, and then with the, uh, the looming two weeks of a possible back-to-back matchup with West Virginia or a uh, or a, uh, a situation of, uh, of possibly playing Iowa State in the Big 12 title game, uh, you know they're going to want to keep some bodies fresh as well. So it will be uh, be interesting. But uh, hey, as long as we're out of there by 10, 10, 30, uh, 10, I guess probably be hoping, praying. Uh, I'll be completely fine with it. So uh, we will uh, we will see come Saturday. As long as you can make it to Campus Corner by 10 o'clock, then uh, then he's going to be in good shape. <laughs> that- Oh man, oh man! I'm looking forward to being down there and making the trip this weekend. Should be should be uh, great to see all, all that come together. Uh, as far as OU's playoff chances go, uh, this game, a couple of games against West Virginia, look likely sitting at number six in the rankings right now. It looks like they're going to need some help, Eddie, but it's certainly not out of the question. This team is is uh, their playoff chances are still very much alive. Uh, I mean, it's still if they take care of business, they're going to put themselves in good shape. Uh, I mean, more than anything, it's going to be about not you know beating themselves, not getting in their own way to get in these playoffs. You know, it's funny. I we, we were joking, uh, kind of in a I guess a quote unquote staff meeting with Sooner Scoot that you would want to play probably West Virginia twice in back to back weeks, as messed up as that is, and as tough as that challenge would be. Uh, beating back-to-back uh, or beating a top-ten opponent in back-to-back weeks, uh, you know, probably would be a good uh, a good thing for the committee to see, and you kind of see where the cards fall at the end of all of it. Let me ask you about uh, your thoughts on this uh, Kansas coaching search. Uh, I, I would love to see Les Miles at KU and come back to the Big Twelve Conference. What do you make of uh, all that, and what's uh, what's it come possibly who could be the next man to lead uh, in Lawrence? You know, I, I it's interesting. Uh, I'm slowly but surely. A, I would love to see Les Miles back in the uh, back in the Big Twelve. Uh, I, I I don't know how well he would fit in, uh, just as far as his style of play. I, I I think that it's it's something that you know would obviously work at a school like an LSU, just because that they can recruit so well. Uh, you know, I think both you and I both know that Kansas probably isn't going to beat out top tier programs. 
for uh, for blue chip guys. So we kind of had started slowly but surely buying into the idea of bringing in about that. I, I kind of like the idea of going gimmick as far as uh, you know, kind of uh, not necessarily giving in to the idea that you can't recruit against the big boys, but just maybe taking that direction as far as might as well try something different if uh, if you're not going to be able to wrap up and get some of the big bigger name guys. Right, right. Uh, I think triple option offense could be pretty fun of some sorts, uh, you know, in that regard. And you know, win quickly. We saw what Army did uh, against OU. Right. So, who knows? Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's so hard to, to kind of, I, I don't know. They're in such a tough position just as far as, uh, you know, what they want to be able to do. Um, you know, and, and from a recruiting standpoint, and I, I'll be honest, I thought David Beatty was going to find success at Kansas. It just never came to fruition. It was never able to, uh, to, to do it consistently enough to gain that, uh, kind of that groundswell of momentum. And that surprised me a little bit because I, I really do think, I think David Beatty is a phenomenal football coach. I know that Kansas fans probably don't want to hear that. But, uh, you know, I, I think that he's a guy that if Oklahoma was in a position to bring in a, another offensive coach, he would certainly be a guy that you wouldn't mind giving a call to. So uh, it's been interesting. It's, it's, it's just a, such a tough job. There's so many uh, chips stacked up against anybody that comes in there. I, uh, I, I almost, it, it's almost like uh, the defense coordinator job in the Big 12. It's almost <laughs> right. like, uh, what are you thinking taking us? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I mean, with, with Beatty, what I saw was that, you know, I mean, yes, he is a good football coach and, and you know, he was able to recruit, you know, I mean, bringing in guys like Puka Williams, some of these others, they would have no shot at bringing otherwise. Uh, but he was in over his head a bit, little bit, being a head coach. He wasn't ready for these game management situations. Didn't know how to handle, how to use his timeouts and uh, game planning week to week and such. He was in over his head that way. Uh, but uh, certainly wish him nothing but the best uh, going forward. Uh, Eddie, uh, before we let you run, where can people connect with you, man? Uh, obviously on Twitter, Eddie, uh, E-D-D-I-E underscore R-A-D-O, Rado, and then uh, Soonerscoop.com and uh, the mornings from 5.30 to uh, 9 a.m. on uh, 107.7, the franchise in Oklahoma City, and 107.9 in Tulsa. So uh, it's uh, it's been a really good year, and we'll uh, – We'll, uh, we'll roll it all into uh, into basketball. It looks like uh, Bill Self has uh, quite the uh, quite the group up there this year. So surprise, surprise, Kansas Jayhawks being good at basketball. And uh, and now you got the mellow list Thunder uh, looking pretty good too. I've been I've been telling people it's time to bring him back. Oh boy, I wonder that be something. <laughs> oh. Well, yeah, do that experiment again. Yeah, um, you know, all right. yeah, I, I, I think I think everybody up here is uh, probably good on that. Yeah, maybe so, maybe so. Uh, but e- even as me, the Thunder fan, I, I love how things are looking right now. Just just stay healthy, Russ. Please, um, don't yeah. don't break anything, and just just go out there and play ball. You know that team will be fine, uh, especially where the Rockets are at right now. Man, that's uh, take advantage Absolutely. of. Absolutely. So, Eddie, appreciate the time. Looking forward to seeing you and the whole, the whole crew down there in Norman this weekend playing, and Sam and everybody, and we'll uh, we'll have a good time. Looking forward to it, man. Absolutely. Sounds good, Tyler. It's uh, always a uh, pleasure to join you, and uh, have a safe trip down. Big thanks to Eddie Radosevich for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges, back here with you now as we continue here on a today's show. Let's talk NBA, the season in full swing, and already some moves uh, going on to uh, begin 
the 2018 through 19 season. Uh, Philadelphia has acquired Jimmy Butler, and uh, they didn't give up a whole lot, as it seems, to uh, get this deal done. And Minnesota traded Butler and uh, Justin Patton to Philadelphia for Robert uh, Covington, uh, Dario Saric, and a uh, 2022 second-round draft pick is uh, the move that they've made there. Tom, uh, I really like the move for Philadelphia to bring in Butler to uh, that core that's already really good with uh, with their young talent, with the process, with Joel Embiid and, uh, and Ben Simmons and Fultz and those guys. Uh, that was already a very good team. Added Jimmy Butler to the mix, and they might be the favorites in the East now. Oh, of course. Um, you know, adding Butler to them just kind of put them right up in the mix with the Raptors and the Celtics, and uh, it'll be really interesting in the East. Uh, adding the 76ers in there, you know, they were already good last year and, and have been building every single year. So head coach Brett Brown, former Spur assistant head coach, uh, is has done, you know, great things. They believed in him, kind of let him uh, take his time with that team and, and build it up into, you know, a potential title contender. So, or at least in the East, uh, we know they probably won't beat the Warriors. But I think my biggest thing for them now uh, we've seen how Embiid is. Uh, we obviously know Jim, how Jimmy Butler behaves, and I'm sure Ben Simmons might have a few things to say as well. Uh, it's just the locker room, uh, I think, for 76ers. If they can get that figured out, watch out. Yeah, well, that'd be something. Uh, and, and we know, Tom, that that is going to be a part of it because what happened with their GM and all that stuff uh, that happened at the end of last year, there, there is sti- so, still some hurdles to climb. This might not be easy to adapt right away, but uh, if they can, then this is going to be a really solid force. Oh, it's going to be incredible. Uh, it probably will be a hell of a defensive team as well, and, and I, I could just see the 76ers team uh, knock it off uh, the Celtics or maybe the Raptors in the semifinals or in the Eastern Conference semifinals, uh, and then going on to face uh, either, you know, whatever team they didn't face in the semifinals, whether it be the Raptors or the Celtics there. But um, awesome to, you know, have a, a superstar move from the West to the East. Uh, doesn't, you know, clean up the entire parity of the league, um, but it definitely does not hurt. No. Not at all. It doesn't hurt them uh, one bit of uh, what they bring to the table. I- I'm glad, Tom, that we finally got a trade where a star moved to the Eastern Conference. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's finally we have you know, not the parity is not fully, you know, it's not fully equal, uh, but at least we get somewhat of a, an attempt at a balancing act. Yes. Congrats to uh, Jimmy Butler on uh, being named a starter in the Eastern uh, for the Eastern Conference in the All Star game, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, but Minnesota, I mean, they're they were put in a tough spot uh, with this Jimmy Butler deal. Uh, I do not think that uh, that their head coach, uh, you know, the uh, former Bulls coach, does not do a good job of uh, handling these star players. We saw it with the way that he ruined Derrick Rose. And now this situation here, uh, just, uh, I mean, it, it doesn't look good. And Minnesota, this was, I'll, I'll say this, between uh, that and Towns and, uh, you know, Andrew Wiggins and those guys, this was their best chance to be successful. 
and to build something. But now you lose Jimmy Butler, and this could be a, a huge loss uh, for the uh, Timberwolves because we, we saw what they were without Butler, and this team really struggled. Oh, of course. They might be going back to the – I wouldn't call it the good old days, but, uh, you know, the moment after uh, Kevin Garnett left, it might be back to that. Maybe not. Uh, you know, I like Tom Thibodeau, but – you know, he kind of was dealt a great hand, and we thought, you know, maybe this this Timberwolves team was going to come back to fruition. We thought maybe they'll come back. Maybe this is this is it. Maybe this is their time to come back and uh, and kind of mingle in with the contenders. But after that showing, after kind of what Jimmy Butler said and did, and uh, you know, not a whole lot of people want to move uh, to Minnesota. That's not a very attractive. I think city to move to, it'd be hard to get free agents and kind of with the, how that whole thing was dealt, we kind of learned about Carl Anthony Towns and kind of how that whole thing and him and Butler went back and forth. Um, you know, Sark and Covington, they're not, they're not going to make, you know, it wasn't equal value. It was kind of something the Timberwolves had to do, um, obviously. Um, to get Jimmy Butler out of there. They're almost faced with like a Kawhi Leonard and Spurs situation where they knew, uh, you know, the or not the Warriors, the Timberwolves didn't really have a, a buying point or they didn't really have a selling point. They couldn't necessarily get all what he was worth because he already wanted out. Um, so while I don't think it was a terrible trade, you know, obviously Philadelphia won this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would, you weren't going to get the value that Butler was actually worth because of uh, the you know, short-term deal he's on and wanting a trade that never goes well for the market that's going to be out there. But uh, this certainly helps in uh, Minnesota in bad shape. Good move for the, uh, the Sixers at this point. I think the Sixers can contend in the West, but or in the East, rather. Uh, but they're still a step or two away from being, you know, with the Warriors. Uh, the Warriors are still on their whole whole other level compared to everybody else once they get uh, Boogie Cousins in that mix. Uh, but this does make things more interesting for the East. If you had to take the Celtics or the Sixers, who are you taking right now, Tom? What about the Raptors? Or the Raptors. If you want the Raptors, you can have them too. Who are you taking out of the you East know, right I'll, now? I'll take the Raptors right now. I really? think they're playing too good of ball, I think. Honestly, it'll be the Raptors versus one of the, you know, either the 76ers or the Celtics um, <clears throat> in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, you know, the Pacers are having a good year, too. They might sneak up, but obviously I don't think they have enough to do it. Oladipo is, you know, last year played out of his mind, and uh, they're continuing on playing pretty damn well this season. Uh, but obviously not enough. They're maybe another couple pieces away, so uh, I really do think – uh, I think the Raptors come out of the East. Yeah, uh, that would be something. We'll see. But uh, the East is going to be fun now. Glad that there's uh, a few teams, at least, that uh, could contend on that side. And uh, they're not named the Cleveland Cavaliers anymore. Uh, something else. Uh, I like the Celtics still, uh, but I do think that uh, these other two teams are going to make things interesting on them for sure in that regard. Also, NBA news, it appears that uh, the Rockets and Melo are already going to be done with each other. And I got to tell you, Tom, I really wish OKC would have pulled this trigger last year sooner than what they did of holding on to him as long as what they've done. Uh, the Rockets' playoff chances go up. I saw some estimates they're likely to make the playoffs without Melo go up 19%. 
Uh, Melo is uh, is not suited for today's NBA anymore. He's trying to force himself to be a starter, to you know, be a three-point shooter, to uh, you know, play his style of basketball, but he just does not have the speed and the stamina that he once had to play that type of basketball, and he, he's too bad on defense. He's such a liability defensively. He can't play that way and be efficient anymore. Um, I understand what Houston uh, is doing here and making a move and moving on from him. Uh, I, you know, Melo hopes to play for another team this year, but I, uh, I understand where, o- where Houston's coming from because we saw it firsthand with Oklahoma City last year. Oh, for sure, and, and I don't blame the Houston Rockets whatsoever. Uh, I mean, they just can't, you know, move on or play at that level with Melo on their team or him expecting to get any minutes or him playing how he wants to. You know, all the greats um, have, you know, understood, I think, I think to be just a really all-around great player and NBA legend, you have to figure out when you fall off uh you have it's a very fine line and then you have to take it gracefully uh carmelo has not done that uh and i don't think he will do that uh, i think he thinks he's just going to be great forever and he's been bad for a couple of years uh and when i say bad yes he can he's still a volume shooter can still score on any night you know you'll have the classic mellow night where he puts up 25 and 10 or what have you um but it's just not as often anymore, and he hurts the teams that he's on because he still thinks he can do it. Uh, it's it's kind of like the kid, uh, you know, who might have been a high school star who took a couple years off and can't do it anymore, and you're playing in the Y, and the kids think, oh, I was really good in high school and, you know, passed his prime uh, and jacks up a bunch of shots. That is Carmelo Anthony. That's the Webster definition. Um, one of those people that just still thinks he has it and kind of embarrasses himself embarrasses himself uh, a lot and why I might not think so it's kind of evident to everybody else yeah and uh Houston will get better from not having Melo on their squad look at Oklahoma City Tom uh you know adding you know Schroeder and getting Melo out of there they look a lot better than what they did. I know they got off to a bit of a slow start, but Oklahoma City looks much improved. The Knicks looked better last year without Carmelo. Uh, the Rockets are going to get better without Carmelo Anthony. Um, unless he is willing to adjust his game accordingly, which he has not shown so. You know, he tried to force himself to be a starter last year in Oklahoma City. He comes to Houston and they say, hey, you're not going to start, but he still tried to play his same style. Unless he is willing to adapt Carmelo Anthony will not be successful in this NBA, and he will be out of a job permanently. Nobody's going to sign him if he does not adapt uh, to this style of NBA, to uh, accepting his role of what he really is at this point in his career, because there's not a whole lot in that tank anymore. No, there's hardly any, and if he doesn't kind of conform to a role a team sets for him, then it's never going to work out. We'll look, you know, 20 years down the road, the road and and remember back and remember how great Carmelo Anthony really was but there's always those players you see it in the NFL a lot who are past their prime we're kind of seeing it right now with Eli Manning and then you kind of see a fall uh of a former great player uh of a potential hall of famer uh and I you know as far as Carmelo Anthony goes uh he's on that list for greatest to never win a ring uh granted he doesn't join the freaking Warriors um but I think he's on that list. I still think he's probably in the Hall of Fame. 
Um, it's, you know, the mellow era, what he did in Denver was incredible. Uh, even some nights uh, for the New York Knicks, uh, incredible. But, you know, if he can't conform, then uh, that's all on him. That's It's really comes down to that. It's just a hard, really a hard truth to face. Uh, and I don't think Carmelo can handle the truth. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right on that uh, in regards to Melo goes. And, and you know, he's, he's a Hall of Famer. He's had a good career to this point. Um, but eventually there comes a time when uh, you either got to put up or shut up. And, uh, you know, right now uh, it doesn't look like uh, Melo is ready to change and uh, make those adjustments, uh, which is unfortunate. Uh, but also, I'll, I'll say this, it's not surprising either, though. I mean, this is who Melo's been his entire career. He's always been very selfish. He's always been a me-first guy. To see him in his career this way, Tom, uh, it's only only fitting, really, because uh, this is who he is. I'm not surprised whatsoever. He was this way in New York. Uh, wanted all that money, got all that money, Uh pretty much didn't allow the Knicks because of all that money to build around him or anybody want to come to the Knicks. Um, hell, you see Joakim Noah go to the Knicks. That was kind of on him, but uh, it completely failed. The Knicks were a failed project. There were many pieces in and out of that organization uh, that simply did not work because Carmelo Anthony was there. Um, just kind of how it is. It was either my way or the highway, and, and for – the Knicks, for that long stint, it was always Mello's way. He, you know, left that situation, tried to come to Oklahoma City. Everybody was super, you know, super stoked. Uh, they have to, you know, let his canter walk or trade him, uh, who I think would still be a hell of a piece on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, and then that fall from grace, uh, you, you know, the Rockets thought they could make it work with Harden and Chris Paul uh, and – I think the Rockets, as, as much as I hate the Rockets, I think they were very smart at not letting this continue any longer. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, let's go ahead, Tom, get to our uh, picks this week, uh, our college football and NFL picks against the spread this week. We'll start out on the uh, college football realm of things. First and foremost, Tom, this slate this week isn't great. Uh, I know that college game day is like headed to UCF. Uh, and, and just, you know, that gives you kind of an idea of just that this is not the best of weeks of college football. I mean, I mean heck, you know, KU and OU were playing in primetime, for crying out loud, on, on Fox, you know? I mean, so uh, it's not a great slate, but uh, let's go ahead and get through it. Uh, Syracuse taking on New York in New York City in a part of this, uh, you know, series that Notre Dame does every year, hosted, you know, home games in different places. Tom, Notre Dame is going to wear pinstripe uniforms. I don't know if you've seen them, but they look horrible, and they deserve to lose just for wearing these uniforms. You know, I've never been a fan of the pinstripes, and the only team that that can ever work on uh, is the New York Yankees. And anybody else doesn't work, so I'm not surprised that they're terrible. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I like Notre Dame to win, but that nine-point margin, I think Syracuse – can keep it within nine. Uh, I'll go with Syracuse to cover, but give me Notre Dame for the win. You know, I'm going to go ahead and take Notre Dame and their awful pinstripes. I think Syracuse might be one of those teams, kind of like Kentucky. Uh, and obviously Kentucky failed its last past weekend. Uh, I think it will be a close game, but I, you know, I'll, I'll take Notre Dame. I think they win by 10 or more. I think it's going to be close, but I think they end up covering 
ranked top 25 matchup, and it's on the Longhorn Network. Iowa State at Texas. UT a three-point favorite. They're coming in on a losing streak. Iowa State, though, one of the hottest teams in the Big 12 Conference right now. They still want in that Big 12 title game. So does Texas. Uh, but Iowa State playing some really good football right now on the road in Austin. Tom, can uh, can Iowa State get it done on the road? You know, I think this is one of those games that Iowa State does get it done. Uh, hell of a game with uh, Texas Tech here recently and, you know, couldn't do it. I think they get it done in Austin. Uh, ISU, you know, they got, you know, I think they're going to, I think they're going to end up winning this game. Uh outright i think even with you know they they're given three points against texas I, I think iowa state comes in austin matt campbell upsets tom herman and we might see you know herman come back out on the field and try to fight somebody oh, man i, I hope I, I hope for what it's worth i hope it i hope it happens maybe I, I bet based on this week he probably wants to fight zach smith oh god that was what a twitter rant that was that is why i love twitter right there that was just a magical couple of hours hey tom um okay cool hook him yeah no joke i mean that was pretty savage by tom herman but if anything comes out of this he had to go home to his wife and i'm sure deal with that i'm going with iowa state to cover at a three in this one they're uh, too good right now and i think they can get it done in austin uh brock purdy is so fun to watch i'll go with iowa state Cincinnati at UCF. Uh, some would call this the game of the week if you believe game day or Saturday night football. A big game for UCF. Josh Heupel has done a really good job in his first year as a head coach of that squad, really keeping things off. I- I'm impressed with that, Tom. The fact that you walk into a proven winner that's coming off an undefeated season. I'm not calling them national champions, but an undefeated season. And to do as well as they've done through this point, being 9-0 and uh, at this point in the year with this big game, with you know not missing a beat, essentially, from losing Scott Frost. They're a 7.5-point favorite. I like UCF to cover, but uh, I think Josh Heupel deserves a lot of credit. Since he got fired as offensive coordinator at OU, uh, he really turned things around uh, in his own coaching career, did a really good job at Mizzou, and now is doing a good job with this uh, UCF team. I say all that to say I like UCF to cover. And uh, kudos to a Josh Heupel for keeping things afloat there. Yeah, it is kind of really uh, a testament to how good of a coach he's, he's become. Um, and for UCF not to miss a beat after Scott Frost, you know, that kind of was a, a different type of ordeal. He obviously went to Nebraska and has not done so hot. Um, so, you know, just with UCF not missing a beat and Heupel taking over and just – one of the better stories in college football, I think. Um, and hell, maybe they get a maybe. Obviously, not this year. I doubt they, they doubt they get a crack at the college football playoff. But uh, maybe they're uh, the new Boise State. Who knows? Um, but I'm going to take UCF as well. Yeah, UCF at seven and a half. That's a real fun to see. West Virginia and Oklahoma State. The Cowboys have been so up and down this year, but they've given the best teams in the Big 12 fits. They almost beat Oklahoma last week if their uh, kicker doesn't miss an extra point and, you know, a couple other things go their way. You know, maybe if they convert that PAT, that uh, two-point conversion, they came really close to uh, defeating the Sooners. Uh, Of course, they beat Texas a couple weeks ago. West Virginia has been consistent all season long, other than that loss to Iowa State. 
They have rolled over teams, and uh, they had a big win on the road at Texas just a couple weeks ago. Uh, West Virginia, they're they're one win away from guaranteeing themselves a spot in the Big 12 title. They get one if they win this game. Uh, I got to go with uh, West Virginia in this one, Tom. Oklahoma State, I can't trust them right now. And uh, West Virginia, they cannot afford to lose this game. I'll go West Virginia to win and cover that five-point margin. I'm going to go the same way, but I would not be surprised if Gundy pulls this off. I just would not be surprised. You know, Gundy and Holgerson go way back, obviously. But ever since uh, West Virginia blew the doors off of Oklahoma State a couple years back on OSU's homecoming, uh, Gundy's kind of had his number, even in Morgantown, which I think is the hardest place to win, maybe other than Norman and the Big 12. Um Actually, I will say that. I will say that this that is either the first or second hardest place to play in the Big 12 would be in Morgantown. Gundy still had his number. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if OSU pulls this off, but for the sake of Pickham and for trying to get ahead of Billy and to keep a lead, I will take West Virginia. Yeah, it's worth noting you and Billy are at 71-39 and 39 on the year, tied uh, for first place. So we'll see if uh, we have a change atop the leaderboard after this week. Final college game for you. The uh, band is on the field. Stanford at Cal. Uh, this isn't a very good game, but there's a lot of bad games, and we needed one to throw on the pick So we'll go with uh, th- this rivalry game. Stanford, a one-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Cal. Uh, I guess I'll go Stanford in this one, Tom. Uh, I mean, I couldn't really tell you why, uh, but I'll go Stanford at one-and-a-half as a favorite. You know, I... It essentially becomes a pick at that point uh, when it's just one and a half or lower. So I'll take Stanford as two uh, as well, uh, just because I think Stanford will end up having the edge in that game. It is just kind of one of those games you're just like, oh, okay, well, one or the other. Right. And Stanford's they, got a good running game. I'll, I'll leave yeah. it at that. Uh, Stanford runs the ball to victory. Let's move on to NFL picks. Now, Tom, we spent the first half of the show, uh, a good portion of it, talking about this game, the Chiefs and the Rams. We've been waiting for this game for a very long time. The Rams are a two-point favorite. The game is going to be in Los Angeles, no longer in Mexico City. Uh, Both these teams coming in, playing some really good football. Their one loss, uh, I think that more than anything, what's impressive about these two, Tom, is their one loss, they each have a very good loss. Uh, you know, the Rams lost to a very good Saints team by a close margin. The Chiefs in they, New Orleans. In New Orleans. The Chiefs lost to the Patriots by a field goal in New England. Um, I mean, these are really good football teams, and it took some really, really good efforts from, from some good teams to just even hand them losses at this point. Um, I, I like the Chiefs. I think that their offense is going to be a bit too much that they're going to outscore the Rams. I don't think the defense really matters a whole lot in this game with as good as these offenses are. I like Mahomes and company slightly more than I do the Rams. It's going to be a shootout. Give me – here's how high I'm going to go, Tom. Give me 45-42, Chiefs get the win. Okay, I'm going to do you one better. Obviously, you're going to take your Chiefs. I'm going to take my Rams. Um and I'm going 48-45 on a Zerline game winner. Oh, my gosh. All right. I'm so going to do that. We're both taking the over as well, which is the highest over in NFL history. Um, so there you have it. Uh, we're split decision there, but we don't both think it's going to be a high-scoring game. going to be exciting on Monday Night Football. 
with the booger mobile and everything uh, on Monday night. The uh, Vikings taking on the Bears. Uh, the Bears, two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Uh, the Vikings, uh, they, they had a couple slow moments this year, losing to the Bills at one point this year. Uh, you know, they, they've had some, you know, some rough spots since they changed over their quarterbacks to uh, Kirk Cousins and company. Uh, but I think they're back on the right track, taking on the Chicago team on the road. Chicago, one of the biggest surprises in the league this year, Tom, uh, and the uh, Bears are at home. Mitch Trubisky uh, looks like he's going to be okay. Well, he will not be like golf or Mahomes, but but Trubisky looks like he's going to be just fine for that Bears team. Yeah, especially with the defense, uh, I think Trubisky is going to be just fine. They're not asking him to go out and, you know, completely take over games. So I think they'll be fine there. And, uh, you know, since if it was at Minnesota, I would be hesitant to lean towards them. But it's at Soldier Field. Uh, it's in November. I'm sure the weather will uh, be a little cold there. Uh, the Vikings, you know, indoor stadium now, maybe they're not as used to it or you know, they're used to the cold, but not necessarily playing in it, perhaps, not at least at home. But I will go ahead and go with the Chicago Bears. I think it's probably the biggest surprise uh, surprise team uh, this year, at least for me, uh, in the league. All right. Uh, Eagles and uh, Saints. The Eagles, uh, despite being Super Bowl champions and everything, off to a slow start to this year. The Saints... Only with one loss on the year. They're playing really good football right now, this Saints team is. Uh, Saints are a seven-point favorite at home. I'll say this, Tom, if anyone is going to knock off the Saints at home or if anyone is going to get within that seven-point margin, it would be the Philadelphia Eagles. I think that the Eagles eventually are going to turn it around and be just fine, but I don't think that this week is that week. I'll still go to Orleans at home in that seven-point margin. Yeah, I'm going to go as well. I mean, the Eagles just lost to the Cowboys. Um, kind of a bad loss there for them. Uh, and kind of let, you know, Dallas back in the division race. It was kind of the Eagles or the Redskins. And now it's just a big mix-up out. Just kind of how that division is every single year. Um, so I'll take the Saints as well. They're playing way, way, way too good uh, at the moment to let the Eagles beat them. Texans and uh, Washington going ahead to add. Uh, Houston's a three-point favorite on the road uh, in this one. Texans starting to turn a corner a bit. Tom, uh, I-, I like the Texans in that three-point margin. I think they can get it done, and uh, Deshaun Watson and company can keep it going. Uh, Demarius Thomas was a very nice addition for that team. Oh, it's been incredible so far, and I think they go ahead and continue on with that, and I have no problem picking Houston in this game. Uh, last one for you, Tennessee and uh, Indianapolis. Uh, Indy, two-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, the Titans coming off a big win against New England. And not just a, you know, they, they didn't just squeak one out. No, they dominated against New England and company last week. Uh, Mike Vrabel and Tennessee, are they uh, are they for real or are they pretenders, Tom? No, I think they're for real. And, and what they did uh, to the Patriots is giving me enough confidence in them to pick pick them over Indy this week. Okay. Uh, Andrew Luck is uh, back, and he's playing really good again. I got to go with Indy at a two and a half at home. So those are our picks for this week. Uh, as we mentioned, Tom and Billy are top to standing 71 and 39. How about that? Tom is betting 71% on the year. Just unreal. Um, 
let's see, Derek's at 61 and 48, and then uh, Nolan and I are tied for fourth or last. It's perspective, depending on how you look at it. Uh, we're tied at 57 and 53. So I'm back above 500 again. Um, and hopefully uh, a sign of good things to come, make up some ground in the standings uh, for that final push before the uh, playoffs get here, here in a couple weeks. Uh, so those are our picks for this week. All right, before we get out of here, we end this with every show. We end every show with this every single week. It's uh, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week. Tom, what do we have uh, this week? So we're going to keep it in the NFL this week, and we're taking it all the way out to New Jersey. Um, this comes from a website called NorthJersey.com. Uh, West Milford man tells police he drank too much because the Jets suck. I'm not sure that man isn't Brian Nolan, but if it was in Idaho, I would think about it. Uh, West Milford man took the New York Jets blowout loss on Sunday particularly hard, allegedly trying to dull the pain. Dull the pain with a joint, a baggie of marijuana with the requisite rolling papers, and three quarters of a bottle of bourbon claiming he did it all because the Jets suck. Uh, on Sunday, as he was taking the field sobriety test after allegedly rear-ended a car on a state highway, Christopher Grayshock, 57, told police that his inebriation was all due to the Jets' misfortune. Uh, such was Grayshock's alleged intoxication that the police said they could smell it on his breath. The BAC they took, um, he blew a .13 uh, for the blood alcohol concentration. In New Jersey, as well as many other states, maybe all 50, uh, I'll have to look that up. The legal limit is .08. So on Sunday at 5.15 p.m., police were called to an accident at Alps Road in Route 23. They arrived, police found the Wayne First Aid Squad attending to an injured woman and someone lying on the grass. Grayshock told police he had rear-ended a car that stopped in traffic but was unable to walk straight and stumbled as he came to the officers. Grayshock's car was impounded, and the police levied multiple charges against him, including assault by auto, which resulted in injuries while driving under the influence, possession of marijuana, possession of drug paraphernalia, driving while under the influence, reckless driving, and having an open container of alcohol in the car. It's safe to say that he'll be watching the future Jeff G- Jets games, maybe from a jail cell, for at least a while, unless he can, you know, come up with some bail money. Man, um, I, I get it. That's that's a I think that's a valid excuse, Tom. But on the flip side, like shouldn't it have, we've heard more things like this happen over the years? Like uh, this, the the Jets have been this bad for a long time. You would think so. I'm guaranteeing there's another story out there that says you know something happened or someone got caught drinking and driving because of the Jets suck. Uh, I'm sure no one's been in that state before. Uh, I don't think he takes it too th- hard. I think he's kind of used to it. For a while, I was used to the Rams getting blown out every game. So, What's really funny is people like Nolan and all these Jets fans and some of these so-called experts uh, said, and I can quote Nolan word for word on this, that Todd Bowles is a great coach. Those were the words. There was this thought like all around the league that Todd Bowles was this mastermind that he knew what he was doing and that, you know, he was revolutionary and all this. And now those same folks are the ones uh, calling for uh, Todd Bowles' head, calling for him to be fired. Uh, I mean, it's it's a quick 180 for Todd Bowles uh, as far as – I never got that with Todd Bowles, why people thought that he was so great. That, to me, was when I was shaking my head. I'm like, I mean, he might be a good coach, but, I mean, this is not, uh, you know, the next coming of Vince Lombardi or something here. 
Yeah, and I, I've heard Nolan say that uh, as well, that Todd Bowles was a great coach. Maybe they just thought that, or maybe they're not used to it because it's not Rex Ryan. Uh, maybe that was their thinking. But, you know, the guy drinking and driving, rearing in a car, at a joint, like, kind of set himself up for failure in the way that the Jets do every week. Right. This is uh, this is not news. You know, this is like... This is what they're what's this this is the life of a Jets fan. Probably that and probably just the life of the average average person in New Jersey. Right? Um, you know, like I, I don't think that uh Todd Bowles is worthy of Sam Darnold. No, they're not worthy of a new shiny quarterback like that. Not if they're gonna suck this bad. Um, I wonder if the Jets see that article or if they'll see it and have a good laugh about it, or I wonder if you know, someone on the Jets will uh, take up for him and post his bail. If it wasn't Nolan, it was Fireman Ed, right? Yeah, it had to have been. <laughs> yeah, it had to be, or maybe it was a KFC from Barstool. Um, that guy, uh, maybe it was one of those guys. I mean, or I got another candidate for you who it could have been. Um, what about uh, what about Kevin James? What about a uh, King of Queens guy? Wouldn't that be something if it was? It was a uh, guy's last name. That almost sounds like a fake name. Let me pull this back up here. Something Grayshock. I know I just read the article, but something something Grayshock. Whatever his name is, um, such a sounds like a Christopher Grayshock. That's his name. Uh, I'm gonna send you this. You ought to see the mugshot. Uh, he's bald headed guy, goatee, stash. He's just cheesing away at the camera. Eyes all pointed. He looks kind of high. No shame. Uh, no, it looks like zero shame, actually. Uh, so, God, do and don't feel bad for him. Uh, just kind of set yourself up for that. You got to get a ride home at least. Or I'm, I'm wondering why he wasn't at the house. Well, wonder, and when you I'd like to know where he was coming from. When you choose to be a Jets fan, like, don't you know that this is, like, what you're setting yourself up for? I would think so. You know, I thought that for a while with the Rams and started to question it, but I never fell off that hard. Right. I mean, at least with Kansas fans, you have basketball season to look forward to. Yeah, and in New Jersey, I don't know exactly what you have to look forward to at all. I'm not exactly sure. I mean, Jersey Shore, no. Jets, no. I mean, the only good thing is that you're not too far away from New York City. Yeah, or uh, do you look forward to the NFL draft? Like, man, we're, we're going to get that number three pick again. Yeah, every year. Exactly. Every year. This is going to be the guy that saves our franchise. This guy is. Every year, they uh, exactly, they do say that. That should just be dubbed the, uh, the Jets pick, the honorary you know, they should just name it after them. It seems like the Jets never get the number one pick either. That's like got to be, you know you suck when you suck so bad that you don't even get the number one pick. They can't even tank right. Right. Oh, that's that, that's the Jets in a nutshell, the life of a Jet fan. Um, I mean, they their glory days of the, you know, 21st century, Tom, are with Mark Sanchez at quarterback. And that even came with a butt fumble. Right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's uh, that's too good. That's too good. Um, la- last thing on this, did, do you feel bad at all for this guy, or did he get what was coming to him? Uh, you know, I do feel bad for him a little, just a little bit because I've, I haven't been that bad, but my team has sucked for a long time, so I get it. Uh, I'm just 
pretty, I'm pretty glad the Rams, you know, aren't still this bad because now I'm over 21 and I can drink and go to the bar and, and make my own choices in regards to that. So I'm just kind of glad the Rams sucked while I was a kid and I really couldn't do anything about it, but maybe smoke some candy cigarettes or something. <laughs> smoke some candy cigarettes. That was your way of uh, decompressing, of uh, you know, getting that stress out? Really going on like Madden and then just putting all the good players on the Rams and winning multiple Super Bowls and crying myself to sleep. Yeah, that sounds nice. What a thought, right? Oh, man. Uh, that about does it for today's edition of the uh, Jones Report. Big thanks to Ed Radosevich for joining us. And uh, you, the listener, for hanging out with us. You can uh, subscribe to the show, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and uh, Spotify. Also, uh, check us out on social media, facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live. Tyler Jones Media Group, uh, Twitter, at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, at TJ Media Group. You can find us there. And uh, we'll see you right back here next week. Hope you have a great one for Thomas Bridges. I'm Tyler Jones saying so long. This has been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you next week. The Jones Report. F- yeah.